this is the much ado about leadership show with your host banire hello listeners so we have bodam taiwo in the house today and ibuko omololu and i'm so 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 excited welcome bodam welcome ibuko thank you hi. so good to so good to be here <laughs> hi banire hi bodam Today's episode is going to be very interesting because of the caliber of women I've got in the studio. These women were specially selected and I'm sure you'll be able to tell why as you listen on. But first, let me tell you a little about them. My first guest, Ibuko Omolulu, is a financial expert, a gender specialist, and also and a public speaker with about 15 years of corporate experience. Ibuko headed the Women Banking Unit of Sterling Bank, a leading financial institution in Nigeria with operations in more than 30 states. She championed the launch of Sterling Bank's Women Network called the Bloom Network, an initiative that was designed to groom and optimize leadership capabilities for women across essential business areas and to ensure that women employees were adequately represented at all the decision making levels of the bank. Ibuku is an author of three books and the host of the podcast Being More with Ibuku. To know more about Ibuku, you can check her out at ibukuomolulu.com. Now to my second guest, Bodam Taiwo. Bodam is a senior marketing executive, an event entrepreneur, an author and lifestyle coach. She is the premium trade marketing manager for the Brown Forman portfolio at the Nigerian bottling company NBC. Prior to NBC, she's worked in various roles at Guinness, leading several marketing launch campaigns for brands like Johnny Walker and Bailey's. She was recently named one of the top 100 inspiring Nigerian women by Leading Ladies Africa. A former beauty queen, the first Miss Malaika UK 2005, and she is a strong advocate of proper etiquette, grooming and hospitality for women. In line with this, Bodam actually has a signature um, grooming and hospitality course called the Esther Curriculum. As a master manifesto and coach for women, Bodam provides different avenues and resources for equipping women to try, such as her book Beautiful and our exclusive mastermind program, The Beautiful Sessions. I would encourage you to check her out as well. at bodamtaiwo.com and you can check out the different resources that Bodam has for helping you thrive as a woman. So, Ibuka, how are you feeling today? Oh, awesome. I've had a good day so far. Awesome. And Bodam? I've had an interesting day. <laughs> I'm going to put I'm going to use the word interesting. <laughs> I'm planning oh. but um, it's ending up well. Okay. And I'm sure maybe after this conversation, you know, we'll lighten up your day and get you to relax. <laughs> okay. So today is um we're recording a special episode of the Much Ado About Leadership podcast 
And um, just looking at the month of March, in the month of March, we celebrate the International Women's Day on March 8th. And today that we're recording is also Mother's Day. And then we all know that, you know, generally the month of March is known as the Women's History Month. So we just thought at, you know, Mao, that's why don't we just have a special recording where we have one or two women come in and then we share what our journey has been like, rising up the career ladder, doing multiple things, even after outside of career, being mothers, being thought leaders, being influencers, you know, in our own rights, in our own fields. And so that is what this episode is about. And I am thankful that you both accepted my invitation. Thank you so much. My pleasure. You're welcome. So let me start with Ibukon. <laughs> so Ibukon, I know that you, you've had like almost 15 years career, you know, working in the banking space. How has that been for you? <laughs> wow. How do you capture that in, in 15 years in one word? It's been interesting. It's been tough. It's been fun. It's been grilling. Grilling. <laughs> there are days when you're like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. And there are days when you're like, um, this is the best job ever. I guess I've, my opportunity at a bank afforded me the beautiful opportunity to learn, to grow, and then to lead, to lead without um, without bias or stereotypes. And for me, it was it was just a good way to you know, impacts the world with my own gifting. So um, I've had 15 years experience, like you said, and I've had to rise through the ranks with um, ethical work and dedication, but it wasn't always like that. My conservative background made me grow up with the notion that your hard work would get you, um, that's the only thing you need to succeed. So I was pretty much very um, conservative um, I didn't know how to deal with self-promotion. I didn't know how to deal with um, even taking good credit. I mean, taking credit for good work I had done. I didn't know how to um, be the voice in the room. I mean, I had answers to solutions. I would be in meetings with um, different people, but I would just keep quiet. And somebody would say exactly what was on my mind. And I'd be like, oh, really? But I had that. And I, I probably would have thought about it in a more refined manner and would have had those solutions, but I, I, I just wouldn't say it. But good enough, my, I, I was a quick learner. I had great technical skills, which kind of showed up for me. It served me well. I got noticed, I got recognized, got shortlisted into the- Wow, Ibukon, that's, that's super interesting. So I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to talk about, you know, trick, taking credits for good work that, you know, we do based on your track record, your profile and the things that you've done. I know that at some point in your career, you must have um, gotten to a point where you told yourself, okay, I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to take credit for this good work that I'm doing. So I want you to think about that while, you know, I come back to you. Okay. So Bodem, hello. <laughs> Hi. Okay, thank you so much again for joining us on the show. So, you know, one thing that has always fascinated me is how how women are able to navigate and how they're able to transition maybe from a particular background or a particular education to a particular line of career. And but I mean, if I look at your profile, you have BSA in engineering, you have a master's in something related to, you know, computer satellites and all. 
and then now you were a senior marketing executive how did that how did you make that transition like what did you have to do everybody keeps on asking me what i have to do thanks banira first for having me I'm just really excited to be having this conversation this afternoon. Um, so yes, I do have a first degree in electronics engineering and I have a master's in mobile and satellite communications. And every time I say that, people now ask, "What? how did you even get into marketing? <laughs> What's going on? Um, but I think it's a couple of things. So when I first moved back to Nigeria, I started working with a telecommunications firm. And I was working as an assistant commercial engineer. And I did that for around about three years. And it was nice. It was enjoyable. But yeah, it was just one of those things. Anyway, so I moved on and started working with another company that was a value-added services company, also in the telecom space. And I was doing business development there. And then I started managing one of the departments, which was the biggest revenue generating department at the time. And that was the department that dealt with music. So, you know, when you call people and you hear all these ringtones on the phone and all that, I was managing the department that dealt with that. So, and all of that. But anyway, as part of my role there, I had to see how to generate more revenue on our existing color tunes. Mm. So I'd run different campaigns, um, during Easter and Christmas and Ramadan and all the Muslim holidays, I'd run different campaigns using different content and see which one works, which one doesn't work, um, you know, which, which messaging sort of connected better with consumers. And that was really my first foray into anything to do with marketing. And I okay. did that for another year or two years. And then um, one of the FMCGs, Guinness, sent me, they, they headhunted me on LinkedIn. Wow. And that was it. And I was thrown headfirst into a role uh, on brands I'd never worked on before, into a role I had very little knowledge about, but they wanted someone that had an entrepreneurial mindset and that wow. had experience setting up new businesses, which is what I'd, I'd been doing for, for quite a while. I love so, that. So, um, yeah. And I got right into it. And here we are, what, seven, eight years later, nine years? I've wow. lost track now. And and it, it's been good. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's such an inspiring track record. Like, that's, that's really good. That's really good. It's one of the things that in recent times, I've been looking for how to ensure that the next generation of young women are equipped with that knowledge to say that so at this point and the way the world is going, it really doesn't matter what you studied because eventually not like it doesn't matter but eventually mm-hmm. the skills that um employers are looking for you're looking for adaptability they're looking for agility yeah. they're looking for your ability like you said to have an entrepreneurial mindset you know and so those are the skills that can take you from one line of career or one particular industry and swing you straight into another industry and not that you have to start from you know like an associate or analyst level but you can actually just move cross at the same level just because you have those additional yes, skill yeah. sets that's not just your technical skills wow boy then that's that's really really lovely okay so let me go back to Ibuko. Ibuko, so i said i was going to come back to you because I want you to share at what point did you take that decision or make up your mind to say, I'm going to take credit for my work. I am going to put myself out there. I'm going to, I have value and I'm going to spit it whether I'm in meetings or wherever I find myself, as long as, you know, we're, we're at this workplace, I am going to let it out, fully let it out. 
at what point did you make that decision? Hmm. <laughs> okay, so um, for me, it was kind of different because growing up, I'd, I'd had a bit of um, leadership efficacy. So I've always been in leadership positions one way or the other. So I, I kind of stand out and it was good for me. Okay. But, you know, it's difficult when you know you have some form of leadership efficacy, but you do not have self-efficacy. So you know you can thrive in this position as a leader, but you just sometimes not believe in yourself. Like, I don't think I can do this by myself. And so when I got into banking and I started to do work, I was often noticed. I was often, oh, who did this? Or oh, who is speaking? Or oh, who did that? And it made me stand out. Another thing was because um, from a very young age, I had been super assertive and maybe I'll say I was divergent (laughs) because if everybody's heading this way I'm probably heading that way and asking like why are we all heading this way Mm. why are we you know going this way I had an insatiable level of curiosity and I was super assertive and it got me into trouble as a girl (laughs) you know and as a girl being raised in our culture so eventually I I adjusted norm because I got into trouble a lot even though it didn't really go down well with me but I just you know for peace sake just hold your tongue so that you don't they don't tan you you know Mm. they don't give you this image or name that is not yours per se but when I got into banking and we were doing now there was a whole lot of manual work and you're just wondering this is why are we still doing this (laughs) why are we still doing this exactly and so uh People would rather follow the status quo than challenge. But I would challenge. I'd be like, no, this is a no-brainer. It doesn't make sense. We have to do it like this. We should do it like this. I suggest we do it like this. And um, it was getting results. Mm. And at the time, people would come. And when we had meetings, they'll say, oh, IBK, please speak up for us. You know, Mm. we we, we will not talk. But you can, (laughs) you know, you, you're very bold and everything. I'm like, there's nothing there. Just say it as it is, you know. And so when I found out I was getting a lot of results and people were looking up to me, I found out um, I was actually, people, the customers would come into the branch and look for me. They would change my branch and customers would follow me to the new branch, mm. you know, and I started to realize that, okay, there's something different. There's something you're doing. There's something that is really um, different about you and you need to keep this going. I would go for trainings and people would be like, IBK, no, this is fantastic. You stand out, you did you do this. So when the opportunity to step out for the project came, it took a lot of guts, really. But I was like, if I had done this, I looked at all my past achievements and I had done really great work. Vanny Red, gosh, I can't begin to wow. say the number of things I had done. I had done awesome. super great work. I had colleagues who would call me and be like, IBK, your turnaround time is fantastic. I had customers who would, you know, walk into the bank and mm. be like, oh, where's IBK? You know, and all of that. And I just told myself, look, what's the worst that could happen? Apply for this, and if it doesn't work out for you, I mean, just, it doesn't work out, and then you move on. And I did, and I was shortlisted, and I did great. (laughs) (laughs) I worked on diverse projects, met with other bosses who were like, I mean, for almost every unit I was in, because the bank had to rotate with two units, they wanted to retain me at every one of those units. Wow, that's so good. That's so good. Ibuki, you talked about a number of things that I would have loved us to uncouple, you know, like if we really had the time. Like when you talked about leadership efficacy versus self-efficacy, like, you know, versus the ability to believe that I've done all those things before in the past. I have this many accolades, you know, 
then I can do this as well. So, Bodam, let me come back to you. You work in a male-dominated environment. So a lot of times, you know, people see the folks in marketing and you can say, oh, yeah, it's a female-inclined career. But for you, you've developed launch campaigns for premium spirit brands. And I feel that for you to have had to do this, you would have interacted with a lot of male folks. Like you were, you were in, in a way, a male-dominated environment. How did you navigate that one? The second thing is, Bodam, you know, you're a life queen. Like, <laughs> you're a life queen. <laughs> yes, you know, Yes. Like, not just being Miss Malaika 2005, but even in how you carry yourself, you put your femininity forward. So how have you had to navigate the environment being a male-dominated one? So, um, Valerie, it's funny you should ask this question because I've always been in male-dominated environments. Um, when I was an undergrad in university, I was the only female, the only electronic engineering undergraduate student in my year. So when I graduated, I was the only woman standing on that line uh, walking into the Great Hall to get my electronics engineering degree. Wow. So I've always been in the minority in that sense. Mm. And and I think that was the first, my undergrad was the first time I was actually exposed to the thing of, there are certain things women cannot do. There are certain things mm. women should not do. As a woman, why are you really here? It was my undergrad I got exposed to all of that because I was raised in a house where, <laughs> I mean, it does, I don't even think my dad saw gender you know mm, he used awesome. to say that he wanted just mm. two girls and that was it this boy thing he wasn't crazy about it i have two brothers and i'm sure he loves them dearly but you have been just as content having just my sister and i mm. right um so that was the kind of home we were raised in and then i was thrown into undergrad in the united kingdom and i'm saying this deliberately to say a lot of the time we sometimes think gender the issue of gender is an african problem Hmm. It's actually not. It's a world problem. Right? Yeah. So I went to undergrad in the United Kingdom, the United Kingdom. And I faced, I had a professor. He was a French professor and he was assigned to me as my personal tutor. And they're the ones that are meant to make sure you're staying on track with your education. You're doing what you said you were going to do and achieving what you came to uni to do, right? Hmm. And from the first time I walked in, and you, you said I'm a life person, right? This is how I've always sort of shown up. Actually, I've toned down as I've grown older. I was like this girl that had all sorts of funny colored eyeshadows, and my heels were like this, and I wear thigh high boots. That was just me, hmm. right? And I'll go to class that way. And the first time he looked at me, and he was like, What are you doing here? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm here for electronics engineering because I want to be... And he's like, who are you? <laughs> you know, what are you saying? Oh and he goes on God. to tell me how, you know, people flunk out. They flunk out of electronics engineering. It's not something you just calm and just do and just go, you know. I'm like, oh, yes, I know. But, you know, I really have the drive. I really think he's like, okay, let me be clear. I've had smarter people sit in this chair wow, wow. and flunk out. And I'm still looking at him. I don't really get what he's saying. And he's like, men, you know, men flunk out. And why do you think you, a woman, can do this? Wow. He was French. He wasn't Nigerian. He wasn't, you know, Kenyan wow. or whatever. He was French. Was that direct? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was very direct. He was extremely direct all throughout. And he was assigned to me there. And, you know, I didn't really understand at the time that this is a problem. You know, you complain about these things. You ask it to be changed. Yeah. I just thought, I'm paying international school fees. <laughs> I cannot afford to let this guy hold me down. Because, I'm, you know, my parents are transporting Naira into pounds and that has never been an easy journey right mm. but I, I you know i went through that and i remember the day i was graduating i i stood on the line so i said hi i was saying thank you to one of the senior professors in my department and i was telling him thank you so much um you know i'm, I'm just so grateful thank you and i just kept on telling him thank you and at a point he stopped and he said but um, i didn't do anything it was all you mm. And I thought, okay, was it really? Okay, hmm. fine, you know. And then I moved on a little, you know, further down as I was heading to where, because, you know, you have to line up and each person in their place so that yeah. your name corresponds with how they're going to call it out. Okay. So I was heading down and I met this professor, this French professor. And he tells me, you know what? I'm so proud of you. You know, I knew you could do it. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> really? <laughs> What? Really? <laughs> now. It's like all these years, I knew you could do it. I was motivating you. Mm. And I'm thinking, whoa, are you even okay? Whoa. Are you even joking? You know, but, but and that and that passed, right? And the reason why I bring this up is I graduated from uni. I was good and I graduated quite well. Um I, I moved back to Nigeria. I worked for a bit. It, it was fine. I went back, I did a master's. But you see, there was a seed that had been planted those three years that I had in there. Mm -hmm. That every time I wanted to step up and do something, I'd have that little voice at the back of my head saying, are you really sure hmm. you're in the right room? Are you really sure your voice is enough? Are you really sure what you carry is valuable enough? Hmm. Those seeds has already, had already been planted. And it took a while. So I, I started this job in Guinness. And I was, you know, yeah, I was the only woman in my immediate department i was working on the premium premium spirits portfolio of guinness nigeria right of diageo so um yes i think i was the only the only girl at a certain level amongst the guys so I'll be in rooms and i'll be the one the, either the only girl or one of very few women in the room hmm. um, and sometimes i'll second guess before i say something yeah like, but are you sure hmm. are you really sure that what you're saying I mean, you know, you're in the room with men and then you look like this. Are you really sure? Mm. And then a guy would say what I want to say. In, you know, and, and Ibuko was saying it as well. Somebody else, you know, would say what she wants to say and she'd be like, but I could have said that. That was what I was thinking. Mm. But I was even thinking about it with a lot more finesse and a lot more, you know, yeah. a lot more depth and a lot more. And it took, I had to reschool myself. Mm. Like I had to go to school and get a degree as to, Budam, you are the value. Hmm. You didn't just get hmm. here by chance. Hmm. You didn't just get here because you have a pretty face or because you speak well. You actually carry a lot of value. value. A lot. Hmm. Yes. And when I started telling myself that truth, because it's a truth, hmm. you know, um, and then not just being content, I guess, with the bare things. I, I worked twice as hard. Yeah. I did a lot of things twice as 
much to make sure that when I show up, <laughs> I'm showing up with all of me. Mm. So, the, and it's not to say that you never hear those voices again because it's it's probably yeah. maybe a lifelong thing, mm. right? Um, but but you get better at discerning the truth versus the lies. Yeah. You get better at discerning the voices that you're like, I'm not going to listen to you because you are not the truth. The truth yeah. You know, and, and you're, yes, you're able to catch it a lot quicker, a lot quicker. this time around. As mm. soon as it starts whispering, are uh, you sure you're like, hush up? Yes, I'm <laughs> yes, sure. I'm, good. <laughs> I'm going to say this. So I'm going to do this. So good. So, you know, just listening to your story, just listening to how far you've come and the challenges you faced being a woman in a male-dominated environment... I see a number of things. First, I see the, the, the good, what parenting did for you. You know, the fact that parenting gave you a, a safe haven to just be yourself. It wasn't a gender thing. Yeah. You were not treated as a, as a girl versus, you know, treated less, any less than a boy. So I, I can see that, you know, in your story. And then I can see how that also gave you the confidence to want to pursue anything that you felt like pursuing in life. Like you were not dissuaded to say, oh this particular career is for men also and how that French you know professor unconsciously planted that seed in your head and this really happens a lot because you then begin to see that the entire environment like everywhere you turn left the seed that's been planted is that you can do this you're less because you are a woman and something you said you said that um even though you knew that okay I have this value you could you know it was it was showing in your work but you had to show up extra. You had to put in yes. extra effort just so that, you know, even when you show up, it's accepted. You know, the value is accepted. Value is seen as value, you know. And I feel that that is one thing that um, along the line, women, we need to pay more attention to, particularly as we get the opportunity to be, you know, influencers, to be, to hold leadership positions. We need to pay a lot of attention to that. So before I come to you, Buku, let me just re- share something that um, a conversation I had recently. So my sister is, she's an executive in the fintech, in the technology space. And she was trying to recruit some roles, like key leadership roles. And then she said something to me. She said, sis, I've always, um, you know, we've always talked about gender equality, gender inequality. It's always been a conversation we talk about. But I realized as I was about to recruit those roles, that if I was not deliberate about it, I will end up recruiting men. Like, so I had to be more intentional to say, I want one or two women to be part of my management team, you know, and that really made us start talking about, is it going to be equality or equity? She said to me, she said, it's not, a, it's not, we're, we're not on the same playing field. It's not a level playing field. Like you have to first give the women equity first. You know, you have to understand that they have other demands. Maybe like, you know, motherhood comes in. And they are really doing what they have to do at work. They are putting in value. They are showing up as their best self. But it's no longer equity we should be talking about. No longer equality, rather. But we should look at equity to say, are we giving the women the same chance, giving all the other things that, you know, they have to face? So, for example, a woman uh, goes on maternity leave and then she comes back but loses a promotion because she had to go on maternity leave. Do you understand? So she was saying to me, this is no longer yeah. same level playing field. It's not, you know. And I think that that's a conversation that, you know, as the years go on, we really need to have. Yeah. All right. So Ibuko, let me come back to you. Um, so let's also look at your own career or generally, maybe life in general. So have you had to face something similar to what Bodam explained or maybe at work? 
because I know that you are you're particular about empathetic leadership. So have you had situations where where you felt like you needed to be firm or firmer because you're a woman? <laughs> um so the truth of the matter is when it comes to gender equity or equality or parity or whatever we want to call it <laughs> we have to address some form of bias or stereotypes or broadening people's perception one way or the other and i would just like to clarify here that when it comes to gender it's really not about women because we've kind of you know filtered the conversation more in favor of the women basically because we've been marginalized but when it comes to gender it's really about men and women mm. so everybody kind of have some of their own bias or stereotypes and it's until you're faced with it that you're like oh my god you mean i had this you mean it was there <laughs> <laughs> but i think something that my parents helped me with especially my mom was to um have my own self-identity and own it and it was really more about knowing your core values and what you stand mm. for so yes have i been faced with over sexism in my career oh yes there are places you get to and people just look at you oh she's a pretty face oh she looks like a body oh she won't be able to handle it and i was totally fine with that because i believe everybody's entitled to their mm. opinions it's, it's really it's really um it's more about what you believe about yourself what you know you can do and so when when those things show up i don't it doesn't bother me because i know i know it's not true you know when when somebody just wants to project what they believe on you but you know that's not you and so whenever i go to those places and they're like oh can she do it can she not do it and all of that and i just keep looking at them and then when i get the chance i do it and they're like wow ah she even did it like a man ah, no no handle it give it to ibuku no 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 ibuku can but do ibuku, it and i'm just smiling interject like, But that is the thing. What do they mean? She even did it like a man. Like, do you understand? Exactly. So, <laughs> so she even did it like a man, and I'm just smiling. Now the truth is, and I, I mentioned this in some of my speaking engagements this week. Everything we know about leadership has been from men, hmm. and the industry has largely been built by men, particularly European and American hmm. men. It's now that women leadership styles are actually coming to fore and COVID-19 COVID-19 pandemic really, you know, helped. He was able to show how resilient, how strong, how empathetic mm. women were and how they were able to use this to, you know, solve situations in their country where they are able to mitigate the number of fatalities they have. And it's in doing that that people are now realizing that okay, there's something about the women. For so long they've told us like um they've relegated us to the background mm. it was more like you know you're taking care of children and the other room things if i may <laughs> if i'm permitted to say that <laughs> you know the other room things and that's that's basically mm. what they've, they've they've left us to do um as well as a lot of other informal things because when you look at the nigerian industry today the informal the informal sector is largely dominated by women but good enough we have made progress women are now in the formal sectors there's bodam doing great work 
I have done great work. There's so many other people doing great work. Ngozi Okonje, Okonje, well, I've gotten, and everybody's like, wow, inspired, you know. And so the truth of the matter is, these institutions have been laid down by men. And so they've given us the templates. They've handed everything down. This is how you should behave when you come into the workplace. It's like they've put it down on what you should look like, how you should dress, how you should address people, how you should behave. Pretty much a template that doesn't fit into who we are. We are empathetic human beings by nature. And that in itself is also a stereotype because (laughs) there's so much coming to my mind. Because it's easy to say women are empathetic by nature. But the truth of the matter is you also meet women who are like, you know, the queen bee you were talking about, who are super aggressive, Mm. who, you know, project their microaggression on you and their insecurity and all of that. And so... Because of that template we've been under down, everybody wants to kind of like lead like a Mm. man. But because of what we're seeing women doing now, we're able to embrace our feminine gifting. And that is what I love so much about Bodam. She probably doesn't realize it. She has embraced our feminine giftings right from time. Those feminine giftings of empathy, Mm. of just being yourself, of smiling, of diffusing situations with your smile, of being able to achieve results, even though you are Mm. a woman. And it comes from different places. Mm. Now, I am a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter. But she's a sister, she's she's a daughter. You are a wife, a sister. You've had one way or the other to bring out your feminine Mm. giftings to take care of people, to negotiate, to negotiate with people, to manage people, to deal with interpersonal relationships, to, to settle things. Those skills are the exact skills required that you bring into the workplace and you are able to achieve mm. results. Those skills are the exact skills you get into the workplace with and you're looking like, okay, the budget for this is like maybe $50,000. It's not enough. But you've known how to manage exactly. documents from school. They've given you pocket money. They've exactly. given you things that you've used and you're like, ah, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Mm. You did it. And so you bring those skills into your place and you're using it to mm. get those results. And for a long time, we've looked down on that like, oh, I'm just a mother. I'm just, I don't know. It's a lot. quite a lot of things that you are taking into the work and exactly. using to get the results. So for me, when I see a lot of those things, it doesn't bother me. I just, I just laugh at it, and I'm like, when it's time, all these things are going yeah. to come to fall, and it is coming to fall. Women are embracing their giftings right now, and they are using fullest, it to their fullest exactly. Potential. Thank you, so Boko. So that's about that's that. beautiful. And something you said reminded me of something that happened when I started to drive. You know, there's this stereotype about female drivers, like women drivers. But when I started to drive, I realized that it was just because. I'm a natural by nature because I am a natural. There are some values that as you know, like those motherhood instincts, those nurturing instincts, you want to instill value in others. You want to ensure that people do the right things. So I find out that when I'm on the road and it looks like somebody is trying to do, you know, what is wrong. I just don't want to take it. It's not because I'm trying to be extra wicked, but it's just because I just don't understand. I'm like, how are you behaving like this? This is not the right way to behave. But you know, the understanding I had before I started driving was like, oh, we're terrible drivers, wicked on the road. But I realized that that's not it. (laughs) Exactly. Like that was totally not it. Okay. So just before, you know, we wrap up, I still have maybe like two or three questions for us. The first thing is I want to talk about gender pay gap have you had situations where you had to negotiate pay or where you found out that you were paid you know less than a male counterpart on the same pay grade 
or have you had a situation where you just felt oh i need to negotiate this pay i don't think this is commensurate to the value i bring to the table and how did you navigate that so i will start with bodam <laughs> so uh wow yeah pay is is always a <laughs> it's always a very dicey thing mm. and and honestly and i know uh-huh. you know we all know this um but maybe for the listeners as well it's it's been said over and over again and i can't remember the studies off the top of my head uh-huh. but it's been said how women tend to sort of accept the first thing that's thrown at them mm-hmm. right you know and it's so weird that we do wow. that when it comes to our careers because we're the same people that when we want to buy um give it to me whatever it is we want to buy plant a, <laughs> uh, rice mm-hmm. a top mm-hmm. we're, negotiating. we're negotiating we're like uh-uh is this the last are you serious mm. this hundred naira what what value is it going to can we be going mm. <laughs> she's like oh, oh my god, god. i have that conversation to this all yeah. the time so i found it so funny <laughs> that when it comes to the one thing that we should actually take all of those negotiating skills and put to we just take the first thing that's thrown at us and when i started working um properly i'd say properly because you know i think i've done with my masters now come you know so i was not like a full-grown adult <laughs> and you know i wanted to start my job and it was almost like i was just so grateful at being given the opportunity hmm. and notice the words and the phrase that i'm using right i was just so grateful to be given this opportunity to have a job that i was like ah let me not ask for anything too much. Let me not, you know, rock the boat mm. because it will be as if, you know, mm. yeah, yeah. Suffice to say that that's not me any longer. Mm, also, now I know that. <laughs> I know that what Bodam Taiwo brings to the table is a lot. Mm. You know, I will work, or I will mm. produce value, I will bring results, but you gotta pay me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, but, but, you know, when it comes to, I just when it comes to this whole thing of pay, it's first a, a mindset thing. That's where it starts from. It starts from the mind. Mm. Um, and a lot of us, I think, we genuinely still have this thing of, they're doing me a bit of a favor, employing me in this organization. You know, I, I'm not sure if I'm really as great as my CV is. You know, we struggle a lot with imposter syndrome. Mm. We struggle a lot with, I don't know all these other type of things. Am I really sure I'm as excellent? Mm-hmm. Do I tick all the boxes on the job description? Mm-hmm. Am I sure that I'm really bringing mm-hmm. value? So when they just say, you know, come and take this X amount, we don't even want to be like, let them not even think twice. That am I really the person? We're just like, okay, okay, thank you so much. Let me, you know, let me take it and go. Mm-hmm. Let me have it. Let's not, you know, but, but I've honestly learned that I push back. Mm-hmm. Whether it's commensurate or not, mm-hmm. I just do not take the first offer any longer. Okay. And I, you know, I was telling them in the house the other day that I, I can almost say now that, you know, if you give me an offer, if you give me a job offer and I push back, I'm like, go and think about it a bit. This was my ideal amount. And sometimes even when I'm sending the email, I tell you what, my heart is beating. Like it's, <laughs> it's like, but I'm hard. They say they don't want to call. I'm like, just send. Hmm. I'll be sending it. I'll be like, Lord, you just know that I will do many things for you. Just let them pay me more money. What's this? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of the time, there's always room for more. And just to just, <laughs> excuse me, 
Let's final go. thing I wanted to say on this is, um, thank you. I'd had with I'd worked with someone, and we're you know same level, same everything. Um, but I found out that you know I mean because we're very close, very good friends. So it's like oh, okay, there's a bit of a disparity here. Mm. The amount that's being paid, kind of, you know, and honestly, it's that's what sort of shifted my mindset. Mm. And this was very many years ago, but it sort of shifted my mindset that you guys um, are doing practically the same thing. Um, actually, I think level wise, I was probably level ahead to be honest. Wow, but um, pay wise, I was like, what's really happening here? And it just brought it to my mind of don't undersell, don't, sh- don't, don't shock change yourself. Hmm. The yeah. most that you will get is a no, we cannot go up. And that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. they genuinely can't go up. That's okay. And then you now need to sit and ask yourself, what's my time worth? I do periodically, let me tell you, I do a calculation of what's an hour of my time worth. I do that calculation what? periodically. Yes. What's it worth? So when I charge things, not just work-wise, I do, you know, speak, courses, whatever it is. I ask, what is an hour of Odantaiwo's time really worth? Mm-hmm. And when you start having those conversations, and I'm not saying to be all about the money, but if you're in corporate employment and you are putting value, you should be paid commensurately. I'm going to say Yeah, thank you, Bodam. So I, I picked out like three things that I feel like I want our listeners to just note from what you said. So you said one of the strategies that you use is that you don't take the first offer anymore. So that's like your own strategy to say, can I, is, is there more available Am I, am I being given like the lowest band? A lot of companies have this band thing, you know, so you don't take the first offer anymore. Uh-huh. And then the second thing you said, in terms of thinking, remembering that I, I'm going to bring value to the table. So I must be paid commensurate to the value yes. that I bring. And I like how you sort of explain that sometimes it is the fact that we, we second guess ourselves or we deal with imposter syndrome that allows us to just accept what is on the table. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. And I feel like our listeners can take that as well as a tip. And then the last thing you said is, what's my time worth? Like what exactly, you know, if I was going to measure mm-hmm. my time right now, how much is it worth? You know, we can actually ask you to show us, you know, some tips on how to do that. Like how to actually sit down and calculate what our time is worth. But, you know, maybe not today. I might come back to you to get that in, in form of something written. And maybe we'll share on the post, you know, subsequently. But I just like those three things. Bringing them out as, you know, mm-hmm. key points that our listeners can take to say, when I'm thinking about pay, when I'm thinking about negotiation, these are the kind of things that I should think about. Okay, so Ibuko, let me come to you. Have you had any sort of similar experience? Have you had to like negotiate a pay? Or have you had an experience where you felt like someone was being paid higher than you and you were giving more value? So I've never had to negotiate a pay. <laughs> um, I was pretty much okay with what I was doing then. But now, <laughs> right now, I don't know who can pay me what I'm worth. Oh, awesome. And honestly, and... <laughs> okay. and, and yeah, it's really about creating your own tables. Um, the truth of the matter is, um, when you when you think about it, when you think about the value that you are and what you bring, no one can really mm. pay you what you're worth. You, we more or less just settle for it. So, and I, I, I believe Bodham has shared some very profound thoughts about this already. I think I would say, um, I would relate one or two ex. Let me just say one experience, not mine personally, but um, of a friend. And I believe it would help the listeners. 
there was a position being considered for in a certain organization and for some reasons it had to be a man and a woman who were the applicants and they were so good they were both so good the organization decided to take both of them and then they gave them offer letters and for some reason the man turned it down and he gave his justifications and you know made it in writing like look i am going to leave where i am working right now which is on the island to come and work for you your organization is in aja the moment i cross this landmark i am going to incur more commute time i'm going to incur more mm. fuel cost i am going to incur more stress doing this i cannot take this you have to be able to give me something that is commensurate to what I am doing and to also consider all of this and he was paid and somehow i got to find out that the lady didn't you know she didn't she just collected the pay like that she didn't push back and i found out later that she even lived farther off than the than the man and for me it was fascinating I, i and i think one of the most interesting parts about my women banking job was behavioral science to kind of understand what holds us back and in doing my research i stumbled on something that was just so so profound the way we are raised when we are raising boys in africa maybe in some other parts of the world they raise them to take risk they raise them to you know be rough jump mm. here do that do this do that you know just do it if he gets hurt okay what do we do we we yell we you know do everything but we get him treated but that boy as that boy has gone through let's um, be fearless he has in a gone way. through a process that has strengthened mm. yes that has strengthened that has strengthened mm. his resolve and he's willing to take mm. more risk but we ladies were raised to Oh just sit here. No don't jump like that. Mm. No don't do this. Don't do that. We're kind of raised not to take risk to be fearful. Mm. And that's why when Bodam is sending her mail, mm. her heart is in her mouth. But she is overcoming that fear by sending that mail mm. and taking that risk. What a lot of women don't do is they don't even try to, you know, <laughs> face that fear. That fear. And they just mm-hmm. take it for what it is. And I have made some of these mm. mistakes in my life as well. So it's so apt in my life. And I can't if if I can see it in my life like this, I wonder the number of women who have intentionally deliberately held you. themselves back by you. doing that. And so it's really all about mm. taking risk, taking a mm. chance on yourself and you know breaking through that fear because mm. of the way we were raised and i felt it was important to state that because i know there are parents who will be listening mm. on this as well do not raise children as boys and girls raise them mm. as children first that was something very deep bodam said a dad yeah our father he didn't look at them as mm. girls and boys he saw them as individuals who had to be built up and had to have skills that are required for and life, necessary yeah. for life So she grew up not seeing herself as a girl. Um okay, I can't do engineering. And while her professor was giving her overt sexism directly, she still could hmm. not get it because of raised. the way he had raised her. And I felt it was just important to rate to to mention Thank that you, here. Boko. You know, like if um I you know you're a gender specialist, so I must just mention <laughs> I must just mention here that I've actually picked a few things from, you know, just your conversation and I feel like if I had to speak about gender or have to talk about, you know, I would probably use more 
appropriate languages like over sexism, gender awesome. refers to men and women. <laughs> Don't mind me. I just wanted to point that out that, you know, being a gender specialist, I'm actually learning a lot <laughs> from this conversation. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So just two more questions and then we'll be done. The first one is, so Queen B syndrome. So if you look through your past, people you've had to work with, the bosses you've had to work with in the past, do you think that the women were unnecessarily harder on you than their male counterparts? Hmm. Do I think the women I worked with were harder on me than on the male counterparts? Honestly, no. Um, and let me let me balance this out now by saying I have probably only worked with two okay. women directly in the course of my career in a senior role, right? So, yes, in a senior role, I've worked with two women. Uh, one of them, I, I reported to for only a very short period of time, but she was also like a, a mentor okay. of mine, right? And she, girl, boy, mm. in between, she just treated you how mm. she treated you, right? But she was a very sweet woman, very exacting, but very sweet. The second woman I worked with, it took me a while to understand her leadership mm. style. And mm. I'm always very um, careful I think it's the word about, you know, we've heard all these things where we say female bosses are, insert whatever <laughs> adjective you insert here, right? <laughs> I'm not saying that those things hmm. don't exist. Uh, yes, you know, but hey, there are some male bosses that are also, insert whatever Who's adjective here? you want to hmm. insert yeah. here, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 it, they are. Male, female, it, they just exist. Um, I don't know why we magnify the women more, but that's a conversation for another day. But I worked with a woman who I just felt, you know what? She couldn't stand the sight of me. I genuinely just felt this woman really... I thought the, my very presence irritated her to her spirit. Um, and it took a lot for me to sort of understand how best to navigate mm. that now to put in context i've always been liked you can't meet mm. me and not like me mm. am i not like him <laughs> i am very sweet. <laughs> like what i'm very sweet you know? <laughs> so i it, 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 it took me by surprise that i'd meet someone that that wouldn't like what does that even mean um and a lot of us are like this we think we're little shiny gold coins and everybody we meet should fall in love with us. And when people don't, we're like, what's wrong mm. with that person? Oh. Yeah, yeah, what's wrong with that person? Um, but I think I just want to sort of flip the conversation a bit and, and sort of challenge us. I'm not saying, now, I'm not, I'm not telling you to condone an abusive relationship with mm. an employer mm. or with a line manager or to remain in a toxic situation that will ultimately change the very fabric of who you are. Mm. No, get out, right? Um, but what I'm saying is that sometimes some of these situations, you can actually manage it in such a way that you come out mm. better for it and you learn from it. So I I sat down one day after, it, let me tell you, let me be very honest, I'd told some of my very good friends, I said, look, I am reporting to a mini <sighs> demon. Actually, I didn't put the word me. I said, this woman, they've sent her from the pits of I don't know where. Because I couldn't comprehend what was going on. Oh I said, lady, gosh. if you guys love me, we need to raise, just be praying. 
Whoever, however you know, they say what's a prayer point. I say I don't really want to say it with my mouth, but you guys know the kind of prayer I repent. I mean, there's just so many things to pick from here, but I'm really honestly grateful for the relationships I have in my life. They are, you know, probably one of my biggest blessings. The first girl came back, my sister came back and not my blood mm-hmm. sister, but my sister came back and told me, she was like, mm, this lady, but I was just praying the other day and I just feel that, you know, maybe you should just show love. I say it's like you are drunk. <laughs> what love? I'm telling you that I am dealing with oh a situation here that is, you know, and you are telling me I should be so, which love? Are we? There's no love. This is now a fire for fire matter. There is no love in this situation. <laughs> but to cut a very long story short, you know, the minute I changed and it took me, I, I had to have a surgery done. And it was while I was having, I was in the recovery process of that surgery. Because I was saying, this man did not even call me to find out, are you okay? Are you alive? Did you even come out of the place? Or, you know, and I was just like, what kind of person is this? But while I was recovering, um, it was almost like, and I don't want to sound all spooky kind of thing, so I'm just going to keep it very light. But but that was where I really got my epiphany, sort of. Oh, damn. You need to change you. She is your line manager, okay? She wants to be treated a certain way. Give it to her. Does it take anything from you? No. Actually, in some, in some ways, it's almost a thing of pride in this matter. And I'm speaking now specifically yes. about my own oh, no. It's almost a thing of pride. It does not kill you to give her whatever. You know, some people live off certain types of respect, right? And some parts of Nigeria, they I'm not going to mention tribes, but, you know, we know it's them. It's okay. Yeah. We get it. We know them. Like, <laughs> respect. And I'm like, okay. But, but I, I needed to sort of understand. Let me tell you, I would be in meetings until sometimes 3 a.m. in the wow. morning. I would wake up at 5 a.m. to continue whatever it is so I could get a report out by 7 a.m. Wow. in the morning. Hmm? I would need to be in Ikeja from Shongo Tedo at ridiculous hours of the morning and ridiculous hours of the night. And I'm saying all of this to put all sorts of things. But I put myself under that um, whatever. And in the shortest possible of time, when I say the shortest possible amount of time, I'm talking about a matter of weeks, right? I don't think it crossed over into two months. Probably about four or five weeks. This lady that I thought was a dragon queen, killed by the sword kind of woman, and I became like this. Wow. Other people in my office were saying, Buddha, what did you do? Like, what was the thing? I said, I did not do anything, first of all. It was not, um, but I, I changed my mindset. That was the first thing, to be like, I work in this place every day. I cannot afford to be miserable. That was the first thing. I mm-hmm. cannot afford to be miserable. What What is important to this person? Remove emotion. You know, women, we're very emotional. As we, we are actually very emotional. Yes, yeah. you know, and there are many reasons for that. But we're very emotional. Sometimes... You need to divorce yourself from emotion and just be logical about the things. What is important to this person? She likes excellence. She likes that when she shows up in front of the management, she has everything that she needs. She wants things to be gone over multiple, multiple. She she taught me 
without realizing she taught me having an extra extra eye for detail i learned it under her mm-hmm. inadvertent you know so when i started showing up in this light or don't ask before she asked me one i've pushed like 10 things different styles different formats different mm. color coding she's like oh my goodness and after about two months my office was like you know what they need to move me back to another thing from a woman who like three months ago was saying that she does not want to work with this person three months later she was running all over the place you guys want to destroy our division <laughs> you want to take the best stuff i have oh, in this life and wow and people were like, what yeah. did you do? So um, I think just to say, just to summarize this, my plenty story into two or okay. three things. Um, the first is just um, remove emotion from certain things when you're dealing with a line manager that can seem extremely exacting, whether male or female. Remove emotion and try and drill down to the actual situation of the matter. What does this person require? The second thing is if it's a situation that is toxic and that's going to change the fabric of who you are, get my out. darling, mm-hmm. it's not worth it. Take a step, get out, get out um, and look for another opportunity elsewhere. But nothing, and I, I'm just saying this again because I know it sounds as if I'm saying um, condone abuse or condone whatever. No, yeah. nothing is worth your, nothing is worth changing yeah. you. And nothing is worth making mm. you miserable or uncomfortable or changing the very yeah. fabric of who you are or what you need. No job, no relationship, no nothing is worth that to get out. And I, and I hope that helps. It really does help. It's Fantastic. like, it really, really does help. It reminds me of something that um, I wouldn't put myself in the position of this woman right now. But I remember at some point we were doing some skip level review and, you know, we, want, uh, we wanted to find out what my team thinks about me you know in that sense and i've gotten a feedback that said that um you know i should know how to deal with you know the different personalities on the team and i, I did get it you know at that point mm. i'm like shouldn't i'm one person you want me to learn how to navigate 10 to 12 extra people and i'm the team lead like how about you guys understanding that banira would not take this this is how she wants our work presented i was like when we were in university we had different lecturers and we, you know, navigated all the different lecturers based on how they wanted their work done or what you needed to do to thrive, you know, in their course or to pass. And I'm like, it, it, truthfully, it is situation with me. I'm like, all right, maybe I'm not going to address it now, but you mm. want me, one person, to navigate every other person on the team, to know that, okay, this person doesn't talk, so how will I approach this person? I'm like, how about every other person thinking to themselves to say, She's a team lead. This is how she wants things being done. Okay, if I have to speak with her, this at the point where, you know, this is the best time to... I just felt like it was would have been better if they thought... <laughs> if they thought of how to navigate me than me thinking of how to navigate every other person on the team. So sometimes it could be that because the person that gave me that feedback, we had to sit together and we had to talk about it. After having that conversation, she became more participatory you know, within the team, because initially she wouldn't talk and all that. So I guess that maybe she wanted me to match, uh, you know, bring her out and all that. And there are times when you are just on a team project, there's really no time to baby anyone, you know? So I think I, I really understand you having to change your mindset and then everything then turning around completely. I, I do understand that. And I think it's a good balance to share with everyone listening to us today. All right. So Ibukun, do you have anything to contribute to that before we move to a final a final talk 
I think Bodam has um, pretty much laid a very good foundation. And um, the only thing I would add to that is that when it comes to the question of Queen Bee, the Queen Bee syndrome, is it real or is it imagined? I really want to believe it's real. I would say that the conversation is changing and that there are more women who are deliberately taking steps to change. But is it real? Yes, it's real. And what I would um, explain about what Bodam did is really about determining which, what level or stage is it. So is it unintentional over-aggressiveness or meanness or manipulation mm-hmm. or arrogance or whatever we want to call it, okay? Is it unintentional behaviors that exhibits this that is projected into somebody else to, inten- to intentionally hurt them? Or, yes, or it was something that was projected that was not intended to hurt the person, but the person yes. still mm-hmm. felt hurt. So from what I hear Bodam say, it, she she might have felt hot. Maybe it wasn't projected to have hot her. Maybe there were some that could have projected to have, to have hot her. But somehow, with time and space, she was able to find out that this person really was not like this, and she mm. changed her lens. On the flip side, there are women who <laughs> band together to um, intentionally pull you down, to diminish each other, to gossip, and. I wouldn't even say in the workplace alone. I have experienced this from secondary school where women just see, you know, we tend to be very judgmental of ourselves. We see ourselves and then we're looking at what hair is she wearing? What shoe is she wearing? What bag is she carrying? It still goes back to the way we were raised. See, behavioral science is just so, it's just so good. It reveals a lot about you. Now, there's something about when you've stifled people from having um, what they what they're supposed to have naturally when you stifle them and you prevent them from having it by the time they see somebody else yeah. having it they, they have yes. a problem with it and if they do not know how to deal with it they will project their insecurity yeah. on that person having it so exactly for those who know how to deal with it they can reach out and say oh I like your hair. I like the way you speak. I like this. I like that. And then, so they've channeled that into something in a more positive way. But what we do is, because of the way we were raised and the the competition in the environment, we tend to now look at each other and like, you know, judge each other and say, okay, I'm not going to um, do this. I'm going to be nasty to this person. I'm going to be obnoxious to this person and all of that. And so, really, it's all about what Bodam has captured it into mm. in the two. You need to identify mm. which is which. Is this an intentional or unintentional mm-hmm. one? If it's an intentional mm. one, what can about. you do about it? And in our case, she was able to change her mindset That's and move cool. on. If you cannot do anything about it, you can remove yourself from the situation because you do not want to be victimized. And I dare say, there are a lot of employees in Nigeria today who are being victimized. They are just not speaking Hmm. about it. So I'd like to, I I, I probably would like to end it here, but it's really about identifying and using a lot of wisdom to identify which is which and the necessary step to take to address address it. it. Okay, okay. So um, my final question to both of you, both of you can go first so that you can you know, catch your breath, is 
Um, so what will be your top two leadership acts? So this podcast is mainly focused around, I know this is a special you know, episode, but it's mainly focused around equipping new managers, team leads, you know, people that are moving from being individual contributors, you know, to being responsible for outcomes, whether in an organization, in a business or, you know, generally anywhere they find themselves. But they are now responsible for leading a team, for being responsible for outcomes, getting the team to work together to produce some form of result. So what will be your own top leadership acts? Either something you've learned along, you know, your own journey or something you just feel that, okay, this is something else that I have learned from another person and I feel that will be helpful. So the first thing I'll say is people management is just that, people. (laughs) You are leading (laughs) people, human beings. Um, And, you know, while sometimes we just want to be like, hey, can we just do this? You're not leading sheep. <laughs> you know, it's not like yeah. you make a sound and they just follow you. No, 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 no. When you're leading people, there is a whole dynamics there about how they think, how they act. If you did your face when you were talking to one person, whatever. And the, the truth of the matter is we need to be conscious as leaders of all of these various dynamics when you're leading mm-hmm. people. So the first thing um, I I think, and and maybe it's from a perspective of being a woman, but I just find that it works. The leaders that produce the most are the leaders that are the best people managers. The people who their people can say things like, I will die for this boss. You've heard of people Mm -hmm. like that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they're just like, I had, you know, a particular line manager where I used to work. And everybody would be like, ah, that person, don't even talk about what? Don't even go there. I would die. I would put my life on the line. And I'm like, ah, uh-uh, what's going on here? But guess what? It's people management, making sure you actually see. You see. You're not just looking, but you see everyone that is reporting to you. You sort of understand it. It's about them. You're building a bit of a relationship with them um, beyond just yeah. the work right just mm. it shouldn't just be come to work deliver mm. something go get paid mm. that's very transactional go a little yeah. bit beyond and, and really manage people um from a place of empathy from a place of genuineness mm. and loyalty let your people know what mm. to expect from you stand up from mm. them when they're not in the room but at the same time be honest enough to be able to tell them off um in a respectful way when they go yeah. off track right let them have mm. let them know what to expect from you as okay. a leader so people management, I think, is, is extremely important. Um, and then the second thing I'll say is is drive your people towards excellence always. Mm. Yeah? Mm. Um, and what I mean by this is don't accept mediocrity. We live in a awesome. society, unfortunately, where <laughs> mediocrity is yeah. almost normal. And, and when you yeah, don't accept it... Well, yes! And when you don't accept it, you're this that is difficult or that just does or that doesn't hear a beg or that doesn't let things sign no no no, no, no. <laughs> have a standard and instill that standard mm. in your team let them know that if i'm bringing something to banner or to or to you my dear listener they know that it needs to be at a minimum mm. like this then mm. we build on it then we build on it then we build on it so those are my top two things you're building people you're leading human beings, so people management is essential. And the second is lead your team to deliver at an okay. excellent, at, at, with the level of excellence. Yeah, that's thank it. you. That's so, so good. <laughs> so, so good. We'll call over to you. Get up to leadership acts. 
Yeah, um, I'll try to make it short. <laughs> I would say it's really about understanding the place, the time and the context. Because wherever you are and what you're assigned to do, the solution you're trying to solve largely determines um, the leadership style or skill you want to mm. deploy. And so you need to understand that the, the place and the context. We know there are different leadership styles. You know, there's empathetic leadership. You know, there's um, there are other ones I can't remember off the top of my head right now. But then you can't bring in empathetic leadership to a project that <laughs> the timelines are really closing on. You need to get results mm. done. So it's really about having the understanding of the time, place, and context and what leadership skill to bring in, to deploy mm. at that time. The next thing is, um, I believe as a leader, you need you need guts, you need um, you need heart, you need optics, you need charisma, and all of this I would I would, I would you know put them all together as an enabler, okay? And it pretty much ties into what um, Budama said. You do not necessarily need to have all the answers, and I do not advocate that a leader should not be knowledgeable. That is not what I am mm. saying. You do not necessarily need to have all the answers, but how you're able to intelligently influence and persuade people to bring their best on the mm. job without losing sight of your objectives and meeting the organizational goal. It's just mm. so critical. And really, that's what Buddha was trying to say in terms of people. managing people. Because there's the saying that say, uh, people don't create organizations, leaders. Because just like she said, people will say, I love this leader. I will stay mm. here mm. for him and all of that. So it's really been an enabler. And when it's like, a, a, and when it's an enabler, it's a big, it's a big um, responsibility because you're an enabler for those people. You're an enabler for the mm. business and you're making sure the organization is still achieving the, the business yeah. objectives, which still ties down to revenue. Mm. Now, be that as it may, you also have to be able to strike a balance so that you're firm, you're disciplined, you're humble, but you're also professional at the same time. So it's not like you're, you're enabling people to have bad behaviors and and they're not um, getting, um, I don't want to say punished, <laughs> but that's what's coming, what coming to my head. You, you're not enabling bad okay. behavior, you're not um, enabling laziness, you're not enabling a lot of those things, but you're making sure that everybody's bringing mm. their best. And this is, a, it, it's it's easier said than done. It's yeah. a lot of work, really, because you have to know how to, you know, deploy all the skills to manage people. But like I say, women excel beautifully in this because we know how people, to manage people. Yes. You have managed your father. You have managed mm. children. You have managed tantrums from husbands, from mm. children, from so many. You have managed mother-in-laws. You have managed all so right. many things. So really, you are more to do, that to do than that anybody. Than wow. What a way to wrap up. <laughs> what a way to wrap up. So yeah, good. so, so good. So, so good. Iboko, Boda, I'm super, super thankful. This has been a very interesting session. It's been so beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. You know, and I hope that we'll have opportunities to bring you back again. So, um, Boda, I'm going to come back to you so that you can share, you know, tips on how... <laughs> should calculate our time's worth you know so i'm going to go back to you i'm going to come back to you and yes then, that's yes really that's really interesting you know so i want to know if you have some you know some tips or some strategy around how you do it or some technique that you use to do it 
and then Ibuko, you know, you really said a lot of things. You know, just on this last point, you talked about leadership enablers, you talked about God's optics, charisma, and then you talked about, you know, like skills, behavioral skills that a leader should have. You talked about firmness, you talked about discipline, you talked about humility. I can just imagine, you know, that kind of leader. And I'm really just saying that, you know, thank you for sharing so much with us. Thank you for opening, you know, your wealth of wisdom and sharing with us. We'll wrap it up for today. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for having Thank you us. Thank you for listening to your favorite leadership podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, do go ahead and share with someone. Leave us a positive review or leave us a comment on our social media handles. Don't forget to subscribe to the show as well. See you next time.